We would like to advise that the following program may contain adult themes, occasional nudity, and language that may offend some listeners. Thank God it's... the Lindley Evans Music Studio at the ABC in Ultimo for Thank God It's Friday. I'm Richard Glover and this week with the music from Opera Australia, it's star tenor Simon Kim. And our panel, James O'Loughlin, Kitty Flanagan and Jean Kitson. And our lovely audience drawn from almost everywhere. Thank you for coming. Uh, First, of course, the news from nowhere. Is there any pleasure greater, especially for an Australian man, than packing a car boot for a beach holiday? I love it. It's the highlight of this time of the year. Of course, for the pleasure to be complete, a naysayer must be recruited. Mine's called Jocasta. She might offer some advice. Oh, you'll have to leave the boogie boards behind. They'll never fit. Or, or take the small esky. That big esky will never fit. At this point, the Australian male says nothing. He may permit a small knowing twinkle to emanate from his eyes. Other than that, it's just a feeling of quiet, manly confidence as he goes about his work. I start with the beach towels. Therein lies my brilliance. When packing a station wagon, the back seat slopes into the area of the boot. A thoughtless person might slide in an esky or a bulky suitcase, leaving a section of free space in the lee of that slope. By rolling the towels into a series of long sausages, the swimming costumes nestle within. That space is brilliantly occupied. (laughs) Next, the boogie boards. Not flat but upright, perched on their long side, locking the toweling sausage into position. (laughs) Oh, my God, I'm good. (laughs) Jocasta stands on the front porch. How long is this going to take? She asks. But I just shrug my shoulders. It's a shrug that communicates one of those eternal truths of life. Genius of this kind cannot be hurried. (laughs) The dog's sleeping crate is disassembled, the top slipping into the bottom, leaving an inviting space into which I pack the laptop bag, the Scrabble set and two fold-up beach chairs. I stand back and admire my work. Together, they fill the space completely. There's not a wasted centimetre. I feel like crying with joy. (laughs) For not the first time, I wonder if I should make contact with Marie Kondo, the Japanese expert... (laughs) on decluttering and organising. She's written two number one bestsellers, filmed a new TV series for Netflix, recently named one of Time magazine's 100 most influential people. All the same, has she ever watched an Australian man pack a car boot? It would be such a revelation for her. She could learn so much. Kondo, I'm told, has an intriguing system for packing T-shirts in a drawer, not on... They're on their sides rather than flat. That's the way she does it, so you can flip through the colours on offer. Fair enough. But does she know how to pack a boot? Or, for that matter, an esky? (laughs) 
I'd be happy to share my esky method with her. I place a layer of upright beer cans on the bottom around which the water can pool once the ice begins to melt, then the meat and cheese, then the ice, then the veggies on top. Crucially, the beer must be fished out with care. A can from one end, then from the middle, then from one side, (laughs) thus to maintain for as long as possible the shelf upon which the meat sits. Among esky professionals such as myself, this cautious process of beer selection is termed excavating the good stuff <laughs> and represents, with its embrace of order and ritual, something akin to the Japanese tea ceremony. Marie Kondo would be quite at home. Back at boot camp, I slide in the esky, which I packed earlier that morning using the correct method, then slip in Jocasta's suitcase, the bags of shopping and a box of wine. Are you sure you can fit the wine? Says Jocasta as she wanders past, not understanding the whole boot packing system was developed in order that there'd be no questioning of the wine. (laughs) Oh, I think I'll manage, I say. It actually helps hold everything else in so the veggies won't roll around. With the aim of broccoli protection, it seems I'm willing to endure the most punishing of drinking regimes while on on holidays. At this, Jocasta rolls her eyes in a way I'm pretty sure she'd avoid if I were Marie Kondo. I close the boot, my satisfaction complete. There is not a spare centimetre of space. It is the most perfect job. Which is the moment Jocasta appears beside me. She's holding a beach umbrella, a snorkel and a large pair of slippers. (laughs) Can you just find a spot for these? (laughs) And that's the news from nowhere. Yeah, you know the you know the term jump the shark. Yes, and it's usually applied to television shows. Sometimes it can be defi- uh, applied to, to empires, yes. to societies like the, Homo- the Roman Empire jumped the shark at some period. I think when you uttered the phrase, "an intriguing system for packing t-shirts," yeah, uh, our modern Western society jumped the shark. That, well, that's... That, that, she's writing her head off, isn't she? Everyone's yeah, watching Marie Kondo. Is. It's all because of the t-shirts. Everyone's intrigued. She has a system. Um, you have to hold an item to see if it sparks joy. If it doesn't then you fold the item. So basically you have to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. <laughs> She's just ripped him off. I'm just saying it's not new. It's nothing new. Does that apply to only inanimate objects? I'm just thinking about crying babies. <laughs> but it's true that men love packing... It's not just me. Men, men take a lot of pleasure from packing a boot. Well, don't we? No. Oh, yeah, more so I than women, it. I think. More yeah. so than... I would it's, say it's a more male trait. It's one thing that we, do, we just happen to do extremely well. Uh, well... Yeah, well, well you do yourself. it. <laughs> I do it very bad. I did. Yeah, I just shove and use my foot and then <laughs> slam it down. Oh. Ocky strap. There's usually an Ocky strap involved at some point. Now, let's check that you're up with this week's news. Who banked their profits after a report that was not as heinous oh. as expected? Oh, come on. Oh, heinous. Yeah, look, it's obviously the banks and uh, I suppose over the last couple of years everyone's had this gradual revelation, haven't they, that the big benign institutions that they thought were big and benign are actually uh, still big, uh, not that benign. Uh, I've known it was coming for a long time. I went, you know when you used to go into banks? 
20 years ago I went to a bank and they had the pens chained down and I thought these guys have no idea what's going on because that's not what people want to steal. Um, they, <laughs> they're not after that. Um, I just think we, they've got to... Wa- no, it's because they don't want you to be able to write the note in front of the bank teller. They think if you can't oh, write right. the note saying, give me all your money because the, the pen is chained up, then you won't rob the bank. Right. Well, that's clearly learned from experience that I haven't had. I, I think they've got a way. Like the borrow, they should borrow and lend. That's all they should do. And I think as a society, we've got away from what money is. You know, you just click and da-da-da. So that's why I'm advocating a return to coins. Not just cash, but coins. So you understand what the value of money is. And if you want to go to the supermarket, you're going to have to take a wheelbarrow <laughs> full of coins. And I think if we get back to that, get back to the basics, and even maybe go beyond to the barter system, we'll get How back to How do you buy it. a house in Sydney? With coins? Well, with a house full of coins, I think. <laughs> I just don't Take know that. why we needed that Royal Commission. Did it tell us anything we didn't already know, that the banks are assholes? Yeah. Um, what, I mean, well, my father like told me a... in 1972 that all the banks were bastards. <laughs> yeah. what, what, new, what new information well, now came we're, to Now we've actually found out that they're the mafia. Yeah. Really. Yeah. But cr- why can't we have a Royal Commission into something we do need? You know, like... something we don't know. Like, why does Vicky Campion keep having Barnaby's babies? Or... <laughs> Why can't a woman host a Tonight Show? Um, you know. Why do people keep signing up for Married at First Sight? There's a lot of things I want answers to. Because they're looking for love and Instagram likes. <laughs> Wouldn't you love the, the sort of dour face of Kenneth Haynes saying, I bring to order this Royal Commission into Married at First Sight? <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you think? The amazing thing was he, re- he issued the report, which everyone was expecting to be really terrible because, you know, he'd been very tough during, the, during the, the hearings. Then the bank shares the next day go up by $19 billion. Yeah. Well, that's right. That's the only way to make money out of banks is you buy shares and wait for a scandal and a royal commission <laughs> and then you, the, when the shares go up, you sell them and then you can get your money back. Cash in and get coins. Cash in. <laughs> yeah. Well, coins yeah, only. I understand, what, I understand what James is saying about the value for money. Thank but you, but the trouble is, I think, and I know I've said this before, but I think the trouble started, the problems were when banks all began to call money Wealth. Mm. It's not called money anymore. It's called wealth. Saudi Arabia is wealthy. Jeff Bezos is wealthy. <laughs> they don't need wealth management because they've already managed to get wealthy. <laughs> yeah. Real people worry about money. Yeah. Wealthy people don't worry about money. You know, and when the banks offered money management, it was simple. You put your money in and you took money out, and if you took too much money out, the bank sent you a letter. You know, that was simple. And now the problem with the word wealth is that it triggers the inner Viking in people, the, the sort of DNA of the Hun, and they all join the bank to try and get people's wealth from them. And in the old days, you know, like, you're right, you know, like, you're right, Kitty, you know, they were assholes in the old days, but they were... But that's a technical term, ladies Oh, that's a, yeah. But they were, you know, they were, they, were, they were smaller then, and I suppose, you know, like... Smaller assholes. They were smaller assholes. <laughs> Exactly. Try, try not to just go too far with the imagery, yeah. uh, <laughs> listeners. Just if you're on the M4, just don't think about the imagery of what we're talking. Don't think about that. Please don't. But mm. you know, it was simple then. If you took out too much money, as I said, they just sent you. A, they, they said their business model was: you give us your money, and we will use it to make more money, and we will keep some of it and give you the rest. And now their business model is: give us your wealth. <laughs> 
and we will use wealth in a sentence. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think you're dead right because I got a letter from once offering wealth management services. And I said, you got the wrong guy. Like, <laughs> it does not apply to me at all. Fill out that envelope, send on to Jeff Bezos. Now, who, uh, who lamented the fact that the world is full of trumped-up disputation? Who lamented disputation this week? The most unlikely person to... Lament it, well, I'm guessing this is about the State of the Union, but I have to confess I don't know anything about it except that I'm loving Nancy Pelosi because she's like having J- Judge Judy in the house, isn't she? <laughs> I'm loving her work, and I think maybe the Americans just need to admit that, look, it hasn't worked out for them. Get the British back in. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's invent our own system. It's not gone well, has Been it? Been a mistake since the se- yeah. downhill since the 1700s. The British, will, the British will need some new people soon once they exit the European Union. They can get back involved in the United States, and he, then, then he, they can, in a hundred years, they can have their own Brexit. If, if there was a Nobel Prize for passive aggressive behaviour, that clapping would have got it from Nancy <laughs> Pelosi. Didn't do anything outwardly offensive, but still managed to completely take the Mickey out of him. And there She's was got his number, hasn't she? Oh. She's just eating him up. Yeah, yeah, she doesn't have his office, so she's not the president. <laughs> oh, but you should, this, you know, that State of Union address uh, uh, noted the fact that we are halfway through his presidency and we're all here. So that, to me, is a big positive. We're not dead yet. <laughs> um, the world hasn't blown up. Uh, so we should, you know, congratulate that. There was also the little Trump kid who isn't even related to him, I think. Yeah, did uh, you see this? He invited a kid who, whose surname just happens to be Trump and the poor kid is getting teased for being called Trump. So as a reward, the president invited him to sit and watch the State of the Union. He was yeah. like, like Joshua. Joshua yeah, Trump. Joshua he Trump. was like the canary in going down the coal mine, really. <laughs> because, like, if you're being bullied at school because your name is Trump, and then you get to sit in on the, you know, the, the, the State of the Union address, which is about as exciting as the Queen's Christmas address, like nobody remembers it. And he's there and he's a little boy and he doesn't want to be bullied, but he falls asleep because he can't change channels and he hasn't been given an iPhone so he can watch South Park while an adult talks like every other kid. And now he, why, didn't, why didn't Trump, if he wanted him to stop being bullied, take him up in a helicopter or on a, yeah. you know, like a... Because you know, now the poor kid is on the, every single news board and was the kid slipping. At least give him some of those leftover hamburgers from the <laughs> footy players or whatever. Um, but... People are saying, you know, that kid's now a hero. The left is saying he's a hero for, uh, you know, we, we, he's a role model. He's the resistance. He's the anti-Trump yeah. resistance. So, uh, but I don't know what they're thinking. The thing is there, it's like, yeah, let's all, he's our role model. Let's all hibernate for the next two years and then we'll wake up when someone else is president. It's not a bad idea, actually. Uh, Kitty Flanagan, James O'Loughlin and Jean Kitson are here. Uh, who refuses to wear it when it comes to negative body images? Who refuses to wear it? Well, this is some women from the Central Coast who have decided to hold a naked dinner party to try and... Because it's called the shameless fully naked dinner party and the aim is to help women feel more confident to recognise and celebrate their innate beauty. Do you see the flaw in this? You know, like, it's very hard to celebrate your innate beauty when your breasts are resting in the soup, you know, like... Or they've knocked a bread roll off the table or they're lightly brushing the top of your thighs. That's distracting from your innate beauty, really. It was very distracting. And um, mind you, I take my hat off to them. That's all I'm going to do. 
You know, women are under a lot of pressure to, you know, we got shamed all the time about our bodies and talking about married at first sight, you know, those women that go on there with their Botox lips like labia and, you know, like silicon. I mean, and, you know, I, I just feel so sorry for them and my daughters would go, oh, mum, you know, judgy, judgy, they're allowed to make their own decisions, which they are, they have a right to do that, but the question is why do they want to do it? And then you had the groom, I don't know whether you all watched... Uh, married at first sight. Oh, you do. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, they're not. They're shaking their heads. Just because my do. kids want it, obviously. Well, the, one of the grooms, you know, he ran away. He's one of run away because he saw the size of the thighs of his bride, <laughs> and they weren't to his taste. So he ran away. She should have used them as nutcrackers, really. <laughs> I mean, she really should have. But, you know, he's just a dick and everyone's dumped on him from a huge height, which is excellent, uh, you know, so... Including you now, so, yeah. I just really wanted to. Kenny, yeah, when well, you, you got a, a, a naked dinner party in order to embrace your inner beauty? Oh, Richard, I can't watch people eat when they're fully clothed. I mean, I'm already struggling with looking across the table, seeing someone stick a fork with way too much food on it into the mouth. You know, if you have to, like, manoeuvre the fork... There's too much on that. <laughs> Take some off, have another go, put it in. I can't stand people doing smack smacking. And now you're going to throw in nudeness as well. Like, I'm all for be proud of your body or don't be ashamed. And, I mean, I look delicious too if you like dough, you know, and, and let's face it, who doesn't? But I cannot take looking at people masticating and in the nude, spinach in the pubes, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. Yeah. Yeah, I look... Why can't we be proud of our bodies quietly and with clothes on? Mm. That's all right. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are in the nude a little bit every day when they're on their own. And that's uh, quite that's good. enough. Yeah, uh, the idea that a nude dinner party would be empowering or more power to them, if it is, for me, it would be the opposite. I would just feel so disempowered and meek and speechless and just ashamed of everything. I don't know why I just would, but, but perhaps that's something where me and anyone else who feels like that need to address. We are, I live with someone who's always nude, our dog, and he's got, <laughs> he's totally out and proud and he just struts around and wouldn't even know. He's like, what's this collar, man? Get it off me. Um, so why don't we have just one day a year, National Nudity Day, where we can all just you know, push our wheelbarrows of coins around uh, in the nude and just, you know, get used to the fact that we're all whoever the hell we whoever are. Whoever we are. Can yeah. I just add another problem with it, apart from feeling, you know, like terrible about it sitting there and you're only sort of like, you're lucky because the important nude bit is under the table. <laughs> you know, let's face it. But, yeah. um, but so, it's a buffet, Jean, so he has to get oh, up and yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, this is... Exactly, and that's my yeah. point, Kitty. But I've got a plate. I've got a plate to hold. <laughs> yeah. I wonder. It's still susceptible to hot soup, though, James. <laughs> I don't think naked is a specific enough dress code. Like, is it formal naked? Do you wear shoes and handbag? You know, like, uh, you know, a bit of jewellery or something. Is it cocktail? We have bling and a little bit of, you know, tinsel no, or no, no, tassels, or or is it casual? You know, business where you have to come groomed and lasered, like hair off toes, or is it like casual? You just come with the hair shorts and the bush. Sounds and, you know, like you're getting ready. I'm, Sounds like you're I'm trying up. to do the right thing. You know, dress code. That's right. Yeah. And of course, you'd have to bring a little towel, wouldn't you, to sit on? Like a gym, you know, yeah. and 
Well, I would hope so, but I don't think these girls are into that. I think it's just about I'm sitting on that chair. I'm proud of my bare ass. <laughs> I but, hope they but, don't play musical chairs. But, but I think if you're going to do it and be physically nude, you should be emotionally nude too. And so none of this, how are you, I'm fine, you know, how are you? I feel really strange and weird all today. You know, just no filter, being completely honest, all the artifice strapped to How are you? I hate you! I always have! You know, just get it. Oh, it's going to go so well on the Central Coast, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> Kitty Flanagan, James O'Loughlin and Jean Kitson are here for Thank God It's Friday. Now, Kitty, if you're in Sydney this coming Sunday, there's this fantastic event on at Gasoline Pony. It's this really cute, funky little bar in Marrickville. And you're yeah. launching your Clever Sisters book. I am. I'm hosting a book party uh, for the launch of my sister's book, Surviving Hell, which is a fantastic book. Uh, and there's going to be free snacks uh, there's going to be a Q and A with the author. Oh. No, you don't have and to. You don't have to be nude. You don't have to be nude. And uh, yeah, completely no, closed. Oh, you can be nude if you want. I mean, I won't want to look at you. But um, yeah, is, is it a along. fiction book or a non-fiction book? It's a fiction book. It's yeah, about right. a wedding in Thailand, and mm. uh, it's good gear. I got to say, is Hal is Hal a guy really or a cyclone? Hal is Hal is a guy. He's yeah. a um, he's a father-in-law. So it's really it's a really good book because the evil person is a father-in-law instead of a mother-in-law, which is <laughs> ah, a really nice change. Okay. I think. I think this is progress, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I do. So gasoline pony, three o'clock Sunday. Everybody's welcome. It's it's free, and you'll get the chance to be part of this book party and launch. Send into the world Penny Flanagan's new book, Surviving Hal. Now. The aged care industry is rolling out a new training aid for staff. This is true. It's called an empathy suit. The suit is fitted with straps, weights and braces so that the wearer can feel what it's like to be really old with restricted movement, sight and hearing. If you were to create an empathy suit so people could better understand what it's like to be you, what would it involve? Kitty. Oh, mine would be simple. Mine would just be a wig. A giant wig that gets exponentially bigger and harder to control as the humidity goes up. And there'd be a little sign in the top that said, please, ask me what it's like to be a woman in comedy. That, that, would, that would sum up my life. But you've got, you've got barometer hair, do you? Yeah, it's just mm. it just bigger. I, I love Adelaide. There's no humidity in Adelaide. I'm really pretty down there. Graham, Graham Creed could get you in as a sort of <laughs> yeah. a, another piece of technology. That's uh, right, but your hair looks fantastic, Kitty. Yeah, it's don't great don't hair. do that to yourself. Yeah. It looks. Uh, oh, all right, I'll get nude. Come on. Okay, that's <laughs> what made I'm me wanting. feel really empowered. Okay, James O'Loughlin, the James O'Loughlin empathy suit. What does yeah. it involve? Would not uh, involve hair. No. <laughs> It would involve either, depending on your commitment, either a compulsory shave or a skull wig. Um, I, I spend a lot of time alone at home writing and there's a lot of self-doubt. So for me, it would be like whatever your job is, having someone stand next to you as you do your job going, you're hopeless. <laughs> that was crap. How could you have done it like that? You're an idiot. Other people, anyone could have done that better. You're... So just doing that continually all day. A lot, of, a lot of people haven't yet read Tolstoy. Why do you think it's necessary to put another book into the world, James? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Stuff, like that. stuff like that. Get quite creative. Yeah. And then, you know, just go back to the kind of brutal stuff. You yeah. loser. Yeah. You loser. Why aren't you doing something useful? You, you, once and just once you're finished this book, 50,000 trees in Tasmania will need it to be cut down to produce the paper. Are you happy with that? <laughs> You'd be really yeah. good. Yeah. You can just 
just go around everyone's yeah. workplace. Yeah. Fifty thousand trees, so no. three guys can read it. I'm, I'm just I'm just doing the voices in my own head. Yeah, that's how, right. What's your empathy? Well, I've got, I got to cover more. Uh, also, if you want to know what it's like to be me, uh, so if you go for a run. For the hour afterwards, just sit down and every 15 seconds have someone hit your right knee with a hammer. <laughs> That's kind of me. And after touch football, whenever you want to walk upstairs, you have to carry a sheep. <laughs> so that's on me too. The empathy suit. The Jean Kitson empathy suit, what does it involve, Jean? Well, first of all, I want to say something about the empathy suit for aged care, mm. which I think is appropriation. I think it's appropriating age culture. I don't think it's right. I think... This is like an American student wearing a sombrero or something, isn't it? Yes, exactly. Mm. It's a cultural appropriation. And I think it's offensive. And if they can't be empathetic without strapping on a few weights, there's something frigging wrong with them. And while they're at it, they should make the suit turn them invisible and slap them around when no one's looking. And also... Steal their super and have a big label across the front that reads, you're a burden to the community. (laughs) So... The I'm whole not sure. notion. Are you clapping because you think old people are a burden to the community? <laughs> I felt like you were getting on board with that. <laughs> yeah, right on, Jean. Look at are. the audience, yeah. It's vote They're one, Jean Kitson. That's what it is. Mm. They're with me. We're all that. Yeah. Um, I, for me, I'm a little bit similar to James actually. Like, I, I could have a suit that had a physical thing, like a cork in one ear to, you know, to know what it's like when my, the battery in my hearing aid runs out, and you know, glasses, and because you know those sort of things, and um, maybe a suit that's um that's a you know a bad has a bad back that a pain that starts in my right buttock and then sort of wanders around the long way till it gets in my left buttock and uh, <laughs> so anyway it could be like that but What's actually long how long does it take to <laughs> shift buttocks uh, <laughs> via where like an experiment where's that pain going um, no does, does it always feel... take is the it, same it... route from one yeah. buttock to the other is it like no. google maps gone wrong <laughs> yeah sometimes it goes down one leg and then just hops over to the other toe and then goes up and ends mm. up in the other buttock Have you it says, return to the route. Return yeah. to the route. <laughs> Have you put That's a GPS right. tracker on it yet? <laughs> That's what I need. I do. I need serial, whoever does that, <laughs> GPS, you know, roundabout coming up. Um, but to really feel like me, I'm getting back to the whole naked dinner party thing. Uh, it's not course. about your body. No, it's that. how you feel, right, yeah. James? It's how you feel. So it, to feel like me, you'd need an – I think this is age-related. You'd need a brain implant that randomly – feeds your brain nauseating memories of hugely embarrassing and shameful and idiotic things you did either at the age of five or 50. Mm. It doesn't freaking matter. And then this suit, you know, no, in this suit, as the memory bubbles up and pops into their mind, the suit would give them this tight, squeezing feeling in the chest. And then the solar plexus would get this, you know, like a punchy feeling. And then there would be nausea in the stomach. An audible groan would come out of your mouth. And your head would get filled with heat and there'd be a flush on your face and you get slightly clammy skin and an increased heartbeat followed by immediately by an almost irresistible urge to drink. Mm. Wow. <laughs> you are just like me. I am. Just, I just want to say though, but if we're selling these suits, I reckon mine's going to go better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ours would be depressing, don't they? You seem to be quite happy. <laughs> Barometer hair suddenly seems not such a burden. Uh, we're with Kitty Flanagan, James O'Loughlin and Jean Kinson. Are you ready for the wheel of death? Oh, yeah. 
When our lovely audience came here at five o'clock, they threw these random topics onto this chocolate wheel. Uh, and James O'Loughlin, uh, his task is to try to talk randomly about whichever one comes up. Today's topics are summer heat, uh, Wollongong, stage fight, stage fright, moths, sophistry, mottos, door, Michigan. Daughter-in-law, what? Her daughter-in-law lives there or something. Oh, okay. Exhibition, cod, pigs, levity, tattoos, powerhouse. And we're back to summer heat. Any of them particularly fill you full of fear, James? Well, I think the daughter-in-law in in Michigan will be challenging, but uh, (laughs) let's hope it comes up. Let's hope it comes up. Here we go. Round and round and round it goes where it stops. No one knows. Today's topic for James O'Loughlin is Wollongong. Wollongong. Who suggested Wollongong? Do you come from Wollongong? She does. Right. So you this is ins- just for you then. Yeah, well, you, no one can't is uh, in any way. Or she this might is just get, for you, know. you, and it's quite. Ig- and if you guys want to help at any point, you'll, you'll know when. <laughs> I'm, uh, gonna make Richard, I'm gonna make Richard stand next to you and just heckle right in your ear. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, said. yeah. Uh, it's not going well so far. <laughs> you need to get a laugh quickly, or you'll lose them. <laughs> You're doing all right, getting it. Doesn't matter where they come from as long as they come. So uh, Wollongong is always... Uh, so you're from Wollongong, yeah? And you've lived there all your life, I can just tell that. And uh, <laughs> there's your first time out, out, of, the, out of the big city. And um, Steve, are you able to turn the lights down a bit? She's a bit, um, you know... Yeah, overall. Sorry, I thought that would have gone better. It goes good with Adelaide. But anyway, um, just trying to work out how for any of the... So, yeah, so when I started doing stand-up comedy, uh, you travel around Australia and wherever you go, right, you realise you just work out where they make fun of. So if you, if you go to Brisbane, you do Toowoomba, right? And if you do Townsville, you do Mount Isa and in Melbourne and Geelong. Uh, but in Wollongong, it's kind of nowhere because um, they just reckon everywhere's better. Uh, <laughs> But Wollongong is a good place. It's a it's a it's a word that means um, it means. Uh, <laughs> uh, wish I was. Do we go to Wollongong? By the way, are, are we, they listening to us? Yes, we do. Yeah, right. So it's a room that means freaking awesome. It's a word that means freaking awesome. Don't you guys wish you were here? I think of it as like Sydney without the bad bits. In that it's got the beautiful coastal strip. Uh, everyone gets a water view. I think I've never been there, so I don't really know. Um, I've driven past it a few times. There's a there's a road that goes down. If you turn left, um, you go to Wollongong, but I've never turned left. Uh, <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember the theatre restaurant that we used to work at there, James? Or did you never do that? I don't here? know if I ever got there. Well, for oh. the sake of the argument, yeah, that was great. <laughs> that was a really good. I thought you might be able to remember some good times. From Actually, the, I did from a gig and show. Uh, is there a uni or something there, or like? <laughs> You know when you finish school have you, have and... Have got shops? Uh, have you got uh, houses? Um, what do you got? What do you got? Yeah. No, I stayed with a friend there in his tent once. Um, no, I, I, there's a uni there, right? Yeah. Or someplace where Sorry, young people go. this is like go. when you work with an American comedian comes yeah. out here and they want to check all their references with you before they start. Yeah. And I remember working with one guy who said, so uh, do you guys have uh, toothpaste? Do you got toothpaste? It's like, Jesus, mate. Where do you think you are? Yeah. But please, go on about Wollongong. They have, no, two, they have you, toothpaste. I will have you know that the Wollongong University is often ranked highest for student satisfaction in many student surveys. So there you wow. go. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, what are you doing, Wollongong? <laughs> no, seriously, what do you do? He's resorting to crowd work yeah. now. Just <laughs> like quick. It's if you if you don't say anything for seven seconds, the whole station goes off air. What? 
Allied health. health. Right. Allied oh, that's health. good. I mean, better than the other, better than the uh, allied, alternative, health. which is like enemy health. It's like you go there and they go, what do you want? Get away. Classic. Um, so Wollongong, I think, is probably, if you add everything up, uh, probably in the top two cities in Australia. And, you know, it comes down to Wollongong, woi, woi, Wollongong, woi, woi. Um, but you got the name. How many O's in it? Five or something? <laughs> Woi Woi's only got two and, you know, they have to repeat the same thing. Whereas Wollongong, and, you know, you go the gong, right? Yeah. You go the gong. You don't go the woolen. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, woolen. It's the woolen. I guess is it an Indigenous word? Do you know what it means? No. No, no, right, okay. means, no, I don't think she means it means dunno. Between ah, mountain and sea, and indeed it is, um, because <laughs> there are mountains to one side and, and there is the sea to the other, so hard to argue with. Um, there's a beach there. I went for a run along once and, you know, I hated it, but that's not because of Wollongong, I just hate running. Uh, and after, after I finished, this guy came up and started hitting my knee with a hammer, um, called a callback. And uh, is that long enough? Probably is, isn't it? <laughs> Wollongong's awesome! Yes! How about awesome? I think the worst point in that was the point I broke it to him that this program is broadcast on Wollongong Radio. <laughs> yeah, did you notice there was kind of an abrupt change? I know, it just, it just sapped all confidence from yeah, him, yeah, I think, yeah. was the problem. Uh, did he die? Did no, he die? No, did, he, oh, he lived. Or did he, he live? Yeah. Oh, just. Yeah. Oh, and just by the way, I'm doing some gigs in Wollongong uh, in March. So, uh, yeah, check it out. Come down. <laughs> nice. It's awesome. I'll have loads of local material. <laughs> You've got toothpaste. Um, There's a beach. The gong. Mountains. There's a uni. You now know they've got a uni. Yeah. Yeah, it's been so, so if you need to know how to get there, big road at the bottom of the hill, turn left. <laughs> I would double check the five O's, though. In Wollongong. There, were more, in, there are more in Wollongong. Oh, yeah. yeah. There are more yeah. and more L's, too. No, probably. I think there might be three. You and there's what? a few Let's else. move on. We're just doing another minute. It was all finished a while ago. Let's not start oh, no. it up again. I blame we'd myself. We'd escape the wheel of death only to re-enter it. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, fans of emojis will be pleased to know that 59 new symbols will be released later this month, including one that will signify that a woman is experiencing her period. This following a campaign to normalise periods and to smash the stigma that surrounds them. They had 55,000 people petitioning them. Now, it sounds like a good idea, but what's top of your list for a much needed emoji. Jean Kitson. Well, I don't, I, the emoji for a period is a drop of blood. Exactly. Shouldn't it be like a tap? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, they're being very coy here. I don't even know when you'd use period as an emoji. Unless it's to get out of your homework or something. Sorry, I, can't, I couldn't bring my homework in. Drop a plug. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I need Thai food. Well, you could, say, you could say to your husband, don't cross me. Drop a plug. Well, see, I don't think you need the drop of blood. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, if you did four drops of blood, he'd, his life would be under threat. I'd be thinking, whose blood is, are we talking about now? <laughs> I mean, I'm all for talking about periods, but I don't get this whole... I think it's a bit oversharing, this emoji stuff, don't you? Like, why would you use a period? But if you, you know, if you, um, if you, if you 
because there's, you know, there's happy face and frowny face. So, mm. of course, now we've got period, we have to have an emoji for menopause, mm. don't well, we? Yeah. Well, you're an expert. You've written a book on menopause. You, of you course I have. I'm so why would the emoji be? Well, the emoji, well, you know, like, I suppose if you're going to be clichéd, it could be, you know... Um, what about uh, an electric fan? An electric fan, an air conditioner, flipping the bird, you know, like, <laughs> could be anything like that. But um, <laughs> sobbing woman with a machete, I don't know. <laughs> But I'd rather it was a bit, be a bit more update. Uh, I mean, upbeat. <laughs> you know, and um, you know, a woman looking like Superwoman in a pair of white jeans, swimming at any time without fear of attracting sharks. <laughs> you know, like that'd be a, but a complicated emoji, of course. So I mean, but the trouble with these emojis, look, um, I'm worried about them because they'll be used like I know they'll be used by men to denigrate women. Mm-hmm. So it'll be like, you remember the old days, the bad old days when men used to go, oh, she's on the racks. Mm-hmm. Would, and you can't say that now because you'd look like a fossil and a twerp, which you would be. <laughs> but they, will, they might go, oh, you know, like she, you know, she told me off because period, because mm-hmm. she's on. And then they'd use the menopause one. To, she sacked me because, you know, menopause, mm-hmm. whatever that mm-hmm. is, swimming with sharks. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. you know, like, so that would be but a problem. But it's women who've asked for this, 55,000 women... Um, petition them. Well, I know, I know, and I don't. I still don't understand it because I only use one emoji, which is like a heart, I think, and maybe a flower. Oh, isn't that but, lovely? But the good thing is that if men do do that, there's another. They've invented the mo- emoji of a little dick, apparently, <laughs> haven't they? Is it with that finger? No, that's an eggplant. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I yeah, used I, that. I wouldn't know <laughs> if they'd invented that emoji or not. Um, James O'Loughlin, what, what emojis could, do you want to... Could we get sorry. an eggplant with a cross through it? Because there's no dick pics here, please. That's just that's one that you just send out. Yeah, well, you know how everyone breaks up by text now? That's how you break up with people, by text. So obviously there should be an emoji for breaking up with people, mm-hmm. you know? So, so it, it, the only one I use at the moment is thumbs up because that just means it's easier than going, that sounds like a good idea, see you then, just... Uh, <laughs> so anyway, so, so what do you have for the breaking up emoji? Maybe a person physically dropping another person, so you're dropped, mm-hmm. or, or a sad face shutting the door in someone else's face. <laughs> but then, of course, you're going to get your break up by someone by emoji Obviously, you get the text message back or the emoji back. Why? And so then you have to explain. So I think the best one there is, say a woman breaks up with a man, you have an emoji of a man, cross, woman, tick, meaning it's not you, it's me. Ah, nice. nice, Yeah, yeah, good. Uh, The other thing, I really want to, what did that emoji mean, emoji? (laughs) You know, I get them all the time from my kids like, oh, squiggle duck hamster. And I just want to send that emoji like, what the, you know, so they no, I think explain. they do it just to, to uh, play with our minds. My son sends me these ones and, I, and I, try, I sit there for hours trying to work and I say, what, what do they mean? And he said, oh, they were just random. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's cruel. That's like a treasure map with nothing at the end of it. Uh, and the other one I think, well, I think we need swear word emojis because, you know, for too long there's been these asterisks and hashtags and exclamation marks and they're just old and very 1983. And <laughs> so just, I don't know, use your imagination, think of the most common swear words, think of an emoji and start getting, what is it, 60,000? What about a picture of the head of the NAB bank? You know, there's something like that. Oh. Yeah, you're, you're Ken Henry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and there's a picture of Ken Henry. Yeah, a little picture of Ken Henry. Uh, Kitty, what emojis like... do you want to see? Look, I have always wanted an emoji that sends a message that says, my poo can see you, it's watching. Oh, hang on, we've already got that, a poo with eyes. Um, <laughs> what is that for? We Why have... do we have that emoji? I mean, if anything, could you not have a poo with a mouth that at least says you're talking crap? Um, that, <laughs> that is useful, but I would like an emoji of... Uh, bleeding finger that's been bandaged that says this text exchange has gone on too long. Just call me if you've got anything else to say. And the other thing I would like is, um, you know when someone is replying to you and you get those three dots Mm -hmm. that move? I would like that emoji because then I can just hit that and they think I'm replying and they'll just be there for ages. Going, they'll be there for oh, hours. What's happening? Yeah. yeah. And then good. I can just forget about it and they'll think, oh, there's something wrong with my phone. She's trying to get through to me. It would really save me some time if I could That's just text good. that. Can I just say that they've got in part of the new emojis are people with canes and, and guide dogs. I mean, I, well, exactly. Since when do blind people, you know, visually impaired right. need emojis? Maybe they're poo can see. <laughs> I don't know, I'm just, I'm just thinking. That emoji has got to mean something. Now, yeah. a new report has identified the toughest transition point for, for most human beings. It's not the start of kindergarten or leaving home or joining the workforce. It's the shift from primary school to secondary school. A lot of kids are doing it right now. Why do you think it's so tough? And do you agree it's the hardest transition point in life? James O'Loughlin. No, the hardest transition point is dying, obviously. <laughs> it's leaving life where you're confronted with eternal nothingness or and, and at the very least extreme FOMO, I just fear of missing out of everything good that's ever going to uh, happen. Being born is a pretty big one too, going from a little secure thing when you're on your own to suddenly this huge universe where everyone stares at you and just tickles your foot without asking you whenever they feel like it. Um, so that I think when your first relationship ends is a very big transition because it means the fairy tale's dead. Yeah. You know, the, Especially when life, they do it by emoji. You know? Yeah, exactly, because your whole life you thought, I'm going to meet the princess and we're going to... And then you meet the princess and then after three months you get the your dropped emoji and, you know, things are never the same. You know, I was just thinking about that emoji that you said before with the man cross woman tick. Doesn't that just mean I've switched sides? It could mean that. I'm now playing for the other team, so it's quite a useful emoji. It could be used for many things. But But the reason the transition to high school is, apart from those allegedly quite hard, is that you have to start doing actual work. You usually have to get to school by yourself. You go from being top dog to bottom dog. But most of all, for me... It was the first time ever in my life, and I think only almost, I've had to spend my entire life wearing a tie. (laughs) And I know some people do it through choice. I've seen you on TV, Kitty, and I I think that's weird. And I was also, you get told all these terrible things about high school. Like I seriously thought when I first went to high school there would be a wall of drug dealers standing (laughs) shoulder to shoulder around the school and the only way to get in was to like fight your way through them as they tried to stab you with stuff in the arm to make you an addict. So you'd be there, you know, they're, they're addicts for the rest of your life. So it's scary times, You man. must have the same mum as me. <laughs> That's exactly what she told me. Jean Kitson, is it, is it the, the toughest transition time? Oh, absolutely. I think it is. I'm sorry, James, but I think it's definitely the toughest. It was, it was for me because when um, – so I'd gone to a little pastoral, you know, rural um, primary school 
small and you have the same teacher and the teacher knows your name and is interested in you or isn't interested in you, but, you know, you know their name. And then we went down to... Um, a for a beachside holiday and you know how when you're on holiday and people say um wouldn't it be great if we never went home we never went home <laughs> and that was when, when I was in grade six so I went to the local high school which is like lord of the flies with bells like the bell would ring and the teachers would go and lock themselves in the staff room I went to this wild criminal delinquent high school you know at most high schools you can be excused class if your period had started at my high school you could only leave class if your contractions had started it, it was really full on. And the girls all, you know, and I've turned up on the, my first day and my mother had rung the school and she, they said I didn't need a uniform on my first day and I turned up in this little woolen A-line skirt dress with a white crocheted collar and long white socks and an Alice band and everyone had uniforms up to their asses, you know, like these. the girls all had breasts with them buttons undone to their lacy bras and teased hair up here and oh my god I was so traumatised and then I said I wouldn't go to school till I got a uniform so we rushed out and found the uniform and then that night the dog chewed we had a new dog and he chewed every part of my uniform my hat, my shoes, my watch so he probably just was trying to make the skirt shorter so you fit it in. I well exactly. I actually that was my punchline. Thank you. <laughs> I did fit in. Once a dog had chewed my it was that's actually a true story too. Uh, you know. That's exactly right. So I did fit in. That's a very in. clever dog. Hey, is it the worst transition uh, bit in life, Kitty? No. Nah. God, no. Uh, I think there are worse ones, like when you realise you've now got to pay for your own dentistry, your mum's not going to pay anymore because there is nothing more unfun than going to the dentist and then having to pay for it. At least when mum paid, it was like, fine, all right, I'll just sit here. There's also, what about when you've got to transition from being in the tax-free threshold to now doing your taxes every single year? It just comes around every year. It's unbelievable. And then the worst one is when you walk into a meeting or some kind of work-related thing and you're looking around for the grown-up in the room and you go, oh, shit, it's me. <laughs> I'm the grown-up in the room. We're all screwed. <laughs> who, who are the winners and losers of this week? Just quickly, Jean Kitson. Uh, Ken Henry is a, lo- a loser and um, Andrew Thorburn is a loser, of course, because they've been sacked and nabbed, but they're also the winners because they walked away with millions. Mm. So the winner and loser. Winner and loser, James. Uh, Justin Bieber. So he said he's been married six months. He said it's really hard. Uh, so the institution of marriage is the loser. He, he might be the winner, actually, because there's a bit of wisdom there. But the loser is the institution of marriage because he's got all the money in the world. He's married a model. They apparently didn't have sex before marriage, which meant six months in, you'd think that would be still fresh. Uh, <laughs> Uh, they have no kids and he still reckons it's hard. What hope do the rest of us have? <laughs> Kitty Flanagan, winners and losers. Uh, definitely winner of the week is the genius who casts Married at First Sight and the loser yes. of the week is whoever's casting I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here because I'm not interested in that one. So yeah. there you go. Why'd you say no again, Kitty? It <laughs> <laughs> would have been great. To which one? <laughs> Please thank Kitty Flanagan, James O'Loughlin and Jean Kitchen. <laughs> Remember to go along and see 
Kitty managing, uh, launching Penny Flanagan's book, uh, Gasoline, Gasoline Pony in Marrickville, this Sunday. Uh, I'm Richard Glover. Uh, coming up next week on TJF, Tommy Dean, Rebecca de Unamuno and Colin Buchanan. Music from the excellent Pigs. Until then, I'm Richard Glover. And thank God it's Friday! Yeah!